to know about melanin. Melanin ranges from high yellow all the way to black. Be sure to hit that plus sign. I'm going to teach you something really interesting about consciousness. And many of you, it's going to take you a while to understand what I'm about to say, but it's one of these things where I, I promise you when this really sets in, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is a total game changer. If you're trying to get somebody to see something and they refuse to see it over and over again, they're in resistance to seeing something. It is not possible if somebody is in that state to force them to see something. It doesn't matter how much proof you parade in front of them. You have one option, and that's to deal directly with the resistance they have to seeing in the first place. There's power in the knowledge that you have. It's power driven towards your success in life to overcome any obstacle that may be before you. To acknowledge with knowledge, you literally just talk yourself into being who you see in your subconscious mind. You've brought that to the forefront to acknowledge with knowledge. beautiful people it's your girl Kira Savvy here Savvy Kira on Instagram and Facebook and this is you already know literally just talk radio talk heavy TV end of the month already and man I was just sitting here saying how quickly time is just like flying past us and how things is, is constantly in motion emotion and time is quickly moving so with that being said I want to make sure I always put myself in position and take moments to promote us, to promote black excellence. Because after all, if we don't value the time that we have, if we don't value the time that we have and what we know is time, how can we make sure we use that time to uplift each other, to make sure that we constantly are in emotion to really promote each other? And so today, I'm so happy that my very good friend, Raheem Curry, author of Infinite Views of a Ghetto Boy, is joining me today to talk about his writing, talk about his poetry, his photography, and really put that in motion to introduce it to y'all. And he's also a very good friend of mine. 
Raheem and I met a couple years back. We were both starting an apprenticeship program with uh, Public Allies of Delaware. Shout out to Public Allies because you bring excellence together, you know, and that's exactly what we're doing right now. So if it wasn't for that, Raheem and I probably would not have even known each other. So as author of Infinite Views of a Ghetto Boy, where he talks about his life, his family, and he does so all in poetry form, which I think is super dope. And being able to articulate his life through poetry and through art just shows how he is promoting himself and living his life um, out loud, living his life in a way that he can inspire other people through his art and his poetry. Raheem, what's happening with you? Welcome to the show. I'm very uh, appreciative to be on your show and to see just how far you came as a um, blogger, a writer, um, but more so as a person. So I'm glad to be here. No doubt, man. No doubt. And you know what? I really, you inspired me. I, I told you when you gave me your book, like I was truly inspired by that. I was inspired to even write myself and write a lot more. So how did you become a writer and what prompted you to write um, infinite views of a ghetto boy? Hmm. Good question. Um, <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school, my dad passed away. And uh, I remember dealing with those emotions, um, trying to figure out like, how do I cope with the trauma of losing my um, father? Mm. And my high school English teacher, he gave me this like, I remember he gave me this very like special pen. It had like a digital clock at the end of it. Mm. And he told me to like write down, you know, whatever was on my mind. Um, and so I wrote this like two page essay on how I felt like losing my dad. Um, and then after that, I started to write um, whatever came to my mind, whether it was about my dad, what about a crush that I had on a girl, <laughs> whether it's about traveling, um, whatever came to my mind, uh, I wrote about. Um, and what prompted me to write um, Infinite Views of a Ghetto Boy was to um, bring light to um, poverty um, and the severity of poverty. Um, and also like the the limited views that we have um, we as being like um, black people who are in poverty, mm -hmm. um, just views that we have to like see things either like growing up, it was like, hey, Raheem, you can, you know, be a drug dealer. Um, you know, you can be, you know, in the grave, you know, or you can be poor. And I was like, I don't want to be any of those things. Right. You know, like, like I want to yeah. be more than that. So I wrote, you know, these poems. So that people could see that in poverty, you know, there are more views than just that. And not only that, like when you see poverty in the news, it's broken down to numerical stats, you know, 50% of these people, 25% of these people, and they don't give names and emotions to these people there. So I wanted to write the book so people can see the names and the, and the lives there. Right. And you know what? I think that's so dope that you took your own tragedy, you know, and grief and a hard time in your life to really turn it into inspiration, you know? And I'm glad that you had that had that support because you were able to publish and produce Infinite Views of a Ghetto Boy. And you talk about your family, you talk about your father, you talk about growing up in the inner city. And I'm also glad that you've been able to show that there is more than the opportunities that's presented or what we think mm -hmm. is presented to us to be able to be more than that, you know? 
to be able yeah. to produce more than that. So speaking of inspiration, what writers are you inspired by? Oh, that's a, uh, that's a good question. One of my favorite questions, actually. Um, I'm really inspired by um, Actors Night. He's one of my favorite um, poets. And I got into him like the last um, three years. Um, and his writing style is very interesting. It's like raw and it's authentic and it's like cutthroat too. And it leads you like through just like allegories and like energy and like, it really changed the way I, I wanted to write. Um, so Ethers Knight is one, James Baldwin is another. Um, I really like um, Tupac um, Shakur when he like wrote his books of poetry. Uh, and though he's not a writer, um, Malcolm X really uh, inspired me as a writer too, the way he uh, was an orator. Um, it was like artistry in the way he talked. Um, and that was like, even from being from, you know, a little uh, ghetto area in Michigan. And then he became, at least to me, one of the like greatest black orators in the civil rights movement. And he was one of my biggest inspiration and still is. Right. And you know what? I think that was one of the things that we bonded on. Malcolm yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they, that's our like favorite, one of our favorite people in history. And it, it really does speak to how we represent our, ourselves as black people and how we should have the courage to be able to speak mm. on our experiences and speak on our trauma even and use it to be triumphant and to even inspire others. You get me? Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give to anyone wanting to getting to write in you know, a poetry or any outlook or um, area of interest that they might be, you know, wanting to get into? What would you say to them? Hmm. I think um, to be open to critique um, and like honest critique where you are getting critique from people who, you know, wants the, the, the best for you. Uh, because mm -hmm. if they want the best for you, then they'll bring out the best in your writing when they critique it. They're not doing it for some hidden agenda. They're not doing it to harm you, but they're doing it to make you better. Um, I think also from my perspective is to like, just do it, like put out the writing, um, share it. And uh, at the end of the day, when you put out something that's, you know, you're representing or something that's bothering you or something that's burdening you and something that's on your heart, when you put it on paper, you know, in, in a way, people can't critique that emotion. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that you laid out for people to see. And if they don't like it, then that's on them. Um, but you did your job as a writer and as a poet to be in the forefront of making things correct or making even people see things differently, even if it's two centimeters, you know, you still change someone's perspective. And so just to do it. Right. You know what? And I really think we should understand and give ourselves an understanding of the difference between constructive criticism and downright either hate or judgment. You know, mm. we, we yeah. have to be able to know when something is adding value to us and adding value to our lives. You know, like mm. how do you determine when you're receiving like um, constructive criticism on your skill set? versus somebody like just downright hating. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually, it's hard because it's like, you know, like when is someone really trying to help me? Mm. Um, and when is someone trying to hurt me too? Um, 
I, I think it, it comes down to like who you trust mm-hmm. in and who you want it to come from. Like, and but but the thing is with this too, it's like a fine line because I felt like I got very good like criticism from even strangers. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it wasn't in a way to hurt me, but it was like, hey, like I see the skill you have. And like this is how like I and I know it's a diamond, so I want you to be better. And this is how you can be better from a being a writer myself. Um I, I like I think it's it's behind the the body language and the way they're they're saying it to you, or even the um I guess even the the, the like flow of conversation you're having with the person. I feel like it's like easy to to tell when someone is trying to like, you know, belittle you. Um and trying to like, I don't know, even in ways like renounce your art. Um, yeah. I think that, yeah. Right. You know what? And I think that's something that we we should pay attention to. I also think it's something that we should hold on to. But being able to decipher the difference between just downright judgment or being judged and actually receiving mm-hmm. constructive criticism to be better. Now, and I know like my language, for example, is one of the things that I struggle with when it comes to my writing because I want to make sure that I'm writing in my tone of voice. I want to make sure that my art is a representation of me because it is, it's like a child in a sense. When you Hmm. are engraved in any type of art, poetry, any skill set, really, entrepreneurs would tell you the same thing. Their business is like their baby, you know, and growing that and nurturing that skill set, even, it really does speak to what we want to hold on to for ourselves, like what we want to have for us and being able to represent ourselves and represent our own language, you know? Has that been something that you ever struggled with? Yeah, 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 it has. Um, Yeah, it's hard too because as you said, Kara, you put a lot of like work in, uh, and not just physical work, but like emotional work that goes into a piece um, of art. And um, I took that for granted too, because I didn't know how much emotional output I was putting into a piece of writing until after I was writing this piece um, for Philando Castile. Um, and like after it, I was like physically and emotionally like burdened and tired. Um, but at the same time, I was like, this is something that I care for. Um, this is something that I created. Uh, and this is something that I want people to see as like good. Um, but also it's hard too, when you create something like that, you don't want to like give it up. Um, mm. or even in ways you don't even want to give it to people to like critique. Cause it's like, this is something that can't be critiqued <laughs> because <laughs> it's something that like, you know, I am like super passionate about or, uh, in ways I think other people should be passionate about too. Right. And you know what? And getting critiqued, everybody doesn't have the same passion about your project or about your pieces mm. that you may even have. So I think we should really just learn how to stick to our tone and stick to what we know to be true and then take what we can as far as learning to mm. create a better us, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I want to ask you how your work inspires your writing you know speaking of tone and your poetry style can you explain to people like how infinite views of the ghetto boy is actually written hmm yeah that's actually a really good question no one ever asked me that before <laughs> well yeah. 
I do. You should know I asked the question. Yeah. Nobody else asked. <laughs> <laughs> you know me better than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um so so a lot of it is written um through freeform, mm-hmm. uh freeform poetry, but there are some haikus in there too. Um but it's written in a form where uh, I studied for two years. So I read a lot of black poets, uh, Mary Baraka, Maya Angelou, uh, Langston Hughes. Uh, and I read for two years of like the way they formed their poems. Um, because before that, I didn't even know how to form poetry or format it. Mm. Um, and so I did it for two years and I looked and I, and I saw how they did that. And, and I wanted to like have my own style. And so I took bits and pieces of Maya Angelou style, Langston Hughes, and Ethris Knight, and Tupac Shakur's, and did all these different like word changes and flips. Um, and I wanted it to be something authentic. Um, and um, but it was a form that like that it took a long time to like get because the person who was I was studying under, he told me he was like, "Do you know that stanzas is a place where poets can con- uh, control time?" And so he was like, poets are, uh, you know, the, like the, the author of time in that stanza. And I think stanza in Italian means room. And so he was like, you're, you're in control of this room and you control where the chair goes and you control where the TV goes and you control if there is no TV in there. And so when I recognized that, I was like, I get to control how this flows. And that became easier for me to, to like style it and to write it and to create my own form. You know what's crazy? I was just sitting here saying in the beginning how there is, there's just been this constant theme of time. And when mm. you say stanzas is a way to create and control time and even manipulate the time to get people to focus in on a moment, you know, getting people to just gravitate towards that moment and being able to paint a picture, if you will, a mosaic Mm. of words. I think that's incredible, you know? So let me go Mm. back for a minute, because you've given us a little education in writing and literature. (laughs) (laughs) What's the difference between freeform writing and um, and a haiku? Mm. So um, freeform, it has no... Um, so in a way it has like no form or it could have a form, but it would be like a, a mixture of, it could be like a style of like A, B, A, B, and then A, A, B, B. So like any way you want to write it, you can write it. And, um, where a haiku, it has, um, it has three different lines. Um, and the first is five, five syllables. The second is seven syllables. And the third is five syllables. And so a haiku has to consist of 17 syllables, um, which is hard to do because you're trying to create this concept and break it down to 17 syllables. So it's one, it's, at least for me, it's one of the hardest kind of forms of writing to put down a thought to because sometimes it doesn't make sense to the reader um, or it doesn't dis- like or doesn't kind of like display what the writer is trying to say in a way. It, has, it could have a bunch of different me- uh, meanings because it's so short. Got you, got you. So if any of you are looking into getting writing, now you know the difference, or into writing, now you know the difference between freeform writing and a haiku. 
So mm-hmm. I remember you saying that you have you created your own authentic style of writing. Does that have a name? Oh, you know what? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> you know what? And I just gave you a thought. Bang. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should name your writing style as a published author. I think that's mm-hmm. something that you should have, you know, maybe yeah. you'll have people emulate your style the way you did Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou and Tupac, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like a full circle of being inspired. The people that mm-hmm. inspire you, you kind of create this energy of being able to inspire others. And after all, like that's, that's basically what it's about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So get yeah, a right. name on it. I might have to try to copy that style. You know, get my <laughs> the, the Raheem writing style. I don't know. I'm just coming off the top with it. I'm freestyling right now. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. So I know you're also into photography. You have a photography business, uh, Silent Wonder Photography. What made you come up with that name, Silent Wonder? Um. So it was actually. So I used to do uh, some hip hop too. That was like when I was in my late teens, like early twenties. Um, and so I really like hip hop. And so one day someone was like, hey, you need like a stage name. And I was just like, uh, I don't have one. And so then like this like word wonder came in to my to my mind and then like silent came. And so like silent wonder just came. Uh, but it has like, it has no deep meaning behind it. <laughs> I just thought it sounded cool. And so I went with it. So how did that actually start? Like, when did you start getting into photography? It started, I think, six years ago. I had this really small point and shoot camera and I went out uh, shooting photos with my with my one friend and we went to Tyler State Park. Uh, and we were doing sunset photos. And I remember I was taking photos and I was, and I was like, oh yeah, like mine looks, you know, good I thought and then I looked at hers and it was just like a whole different world like the photo her photo compared to mine was just so like mind-boggling how she captured it and so I was like how do you do that like how did you do that and she was like well like first how about you like buy a better camera (laughs) um and then I can teach you how to um you know like do photography and uh and so i really got to photography and it just captured moments that i thought that like in ways writing could not right you know what i remember and i don't know if you remember this a while back when i was looking at recording equipment and that's like with cameras and the different types of cameras and different type of lenses you can use and your lighting there is so much work that actually goes into it like Mm -hmm. same thing with podcasting that people don't really know about so what struggles did you really face in like learning or getting started with photography being that it was like so fresh and so new to you hmm yeah i i really struggle with like depth um and i struggle with like how to like adjust like brightness settings um so it's this thing called aperture and f-stop and so if you're at like if your aperture and f-stop is wrong you could just really shoot a bad photo and so i didn't know what any of that meant and so i would go out by myself and i would go bright days sunny days even like dark days uh and i would like try to figure out how can i 
adjust these settings to a way, no matter where I'm at, no matter what time of day it is, I get to shoot the photo that I want. Um, and so like, yeah, that was the hardest part of like getting the settings down. Like, how can I shoot a good photo in a sunny day? How could I get stars in the sky in a dark night? You know, mm -hmm. how could I get the picture of a full moon? Um, so it was like adaptability too, it was tough to learn. Yeah. What did you really do to kind of like overcome the challenges in learning something new? Hmm. So um, a lot of my friends are photographers. So I would go out with them and literally every time they took a photo, I was like, how, like, how, you, how did you do that? What mm. do I have to do? Uh, teach me what F-stop means. How do I get my aperture to, to like um, be adaptable to this sunny day? Um, how do I get my shutter speed to be as fast or as slow as needs to be so that I can get this kind of aesthetic? And so every setting that I didn't know about, I asked, and my friends gave me the information that I needed. Mm. And you know what? I think that's dope, too, to have mm. that support system around you that you can learn from, you know? And I told yeah. about us, like, knowing ourselves. And had it not been for you asking the right questions, you know, putting yourself in position to learn, to say, hey, how do I do that? How can I do that? to actually overcome your challenges. I think that's dope. Having mm -hmm. the right support system and having the right people around you to push you, to push you in the direction that you really need to go in, especially when it comes to learning something new, you know? Mm -hmm. So do you ever incorporate your photography in your writing in any way? I do. Um, but yes, like I feel like I would take a photo, um, but it could be like months before, um, or it could be like a photo I took like a year ago. And then I'll be looking through my, um, that's my photo kind of like log. And then that, like looking at that photo would inspire a poem. Um, but I don't think I ever took a photo just to write a poem about it. Um, or I don't think I wrote a poem um, to like shoot for a photo. Um, so yeah, interestingly, yeah, like they, they don't blend much actually. Um, it's very like seldom that they do, but I, I do do it though. Um, but not as often as maybe I should. Right. Do you have any like photography, uh, projects that you're working on right now? Oh, actually I do. Um, okay. Yeah. So I have this project. So I've been working on it for um, three years, actually, and um, it's been more my fault that it's going slow. But I have this um, this theme of that like, I wanted to take a photo of more so black individuals, and I wanted to um, take a portrait and then cut it in half, and so it'll be half of the person's like face, um, and then I wanted um, to like have it to be like you only know half of who this person is. Um, and then I wanted to like interview the person and then on a half where their face isn't to have an essay of like who they say that, that they are and even like getting their perspective of who, who people think they are uh, yeah. and then put it next to the photo. Yeah. You know what? I remember you mentioning that. And it's, it's also the cover of Infinite Views of a Ghetto Boy, which is also, folks, a link is in the description below. Um, you can find Raheem's book, 
drop down in the um comments, Raheem, mm. the link to your book. Thank you, Kara. No doubt, no doubt. But you know what? I think that project should definitely be something that you put on like a larger scale and really just put the pieces together bit by bit because I remember you speaking about it. So, and that sounds phenomenal. It's definitely a dope project. Mm, thank you. No doubt. So tell us what else you're working on. What else you got coming up? Can we look forward to another book? Yeah, yeah. Um, good, good question. And yeah, so uh, like another book is on the way and um, it's, um, I just finished like last poem for it, I think last week. Um, and it's 35 poems and it's broken into um, five different sections and it's seven poems per section. And so in the sections, it's like basically like love, um, eulogies, brotherhood, um, autonomy. And I forget, I forget what the fifth one is. Um, but in each like category, it's um, how I'm changing in that. Um, and so the, the, the working title is um, will you hold me while, um, while I'm changing? Mm. And, um, so it's a, a poetry book about in the ways that, you know, like, how do we change? And, uh, I feel like change is one of those things you do solo, but you also do in a community. And I feel like change both in a solo context and a community context should be both, um, loving and you should have people to hold you while you're changing. Mm. Um, because changing is something that is inevitable and it should be done with people who, who like love you and are loving you while you're changing your ideologies, philosophies, or like religion. Right. And you know what? I think that's so dope. And I can tell you for one, Raheem, you definitely have transmorgified like your entire mm. experience, like just from the person that I knew who was really just figuring things out to somebody that's in motion, man, and, and doing it and inspiring other people to do it. I think that's phenomenal. And I think you should definitely stick, stick to that title because mm -hmm. I think that it's a working title. We're going to go ahead and confirm that title right now. <laughs> no doubt. So tell us what other projects you got coming up. I know you got something coming up with, um, Dale Shakes in June, right? Mm hmm Okay, why don't you Yes. Talk? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm working with um, Dale Shakes. Uh, so um, Delaware Shakespeare is a theater in Wilmington. Um, and I'm the partnership and engagement associate there. So my job is to diversify the audiences um, and to also get um, people in to come and, and, and experience Shakespeare in a, in a new way. And so one of the ways that we're doing um, it is we're doing a poetry slam based on his um, play, The uh, Tempest. Um, and we're bringing in poets and artists and Kara is one of them um, that's coming in to, to um, share um, her skills. Uh, and, and we're also having these themes that we're actually like letting the artists pick and choose what they want to write about. Um, and to like bring in like, you know, how do people see Shakespeare and how would they write a poem about it, about this theme that is based on um, or in the Tempest? So I'm a co-facilitator uh, with one of my coworkers. 
Nice. I think that's dope. And you know what? You have so much to offer the literature or our literary community, poetry, art, photography. I say keep doing it, man, and keep inspiring people. And I'm happy to be a part of that. And most importantly, I am very happy to call you my friend. Hmm. Thank you. And, and vice versa. I um, I respect you a lot, Kara. I um, I think more so as a writer lately. Um, I think definitely when I when I saw you, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, and I saw you quote um, from your head your your poem, um, and just seeing how it was just powerful. Um, it was yeah, it was a work of art to um, see you. Uh, you know, like yeah, it was like I could still like see it. And right. So it was, yeah, it was ingrained. It was, it was well done. So you you yourself, in many ways, um, are a talented artist. And you know what? I respect that and I appreciate you. And I'm definitely going to be looking for you and looking for your work and looking for another signed copy of the new book. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I'm good for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so always. Tell the folks where they can find you, where they can follow your work, where they can follow what you're doing. Yeah. So, um, so as Kara said, the um, link to my book is um, is in the comment section. You say, Kara, that's where that below. Yep. Um, and my Facebook is just Raheem Curry. So my name on the screen, um, and I post some of my um, poetry there. And if you're into my, if you're into photography, you can follow me on Instagram. And my title name is funny, so it's Pretzel Rahizel. So pretzel <laughs> underscore rahizel. <laughs> you know, you gotta tell a story real quick of where the name came from. Cause I thought it was I fell out laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. How did you come up with that name? Oh yeah. So uh, one of my friends, um, she said that she said, Hey Raheem, your legs are so skinny, they look like pretzel sticks <laughs> with pepper on them. And so I named my Instagram Pretzel Rahizu from my skinny pretzel stick legs. <laughs> you know what? I'm way to have a wonderful sense of humor about somebody talking about your legs. Because I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so talk about legs like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. But you know what? You stand firm on your skinny legs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do stand firm on them. Look, no doubt. As you should, black man. Hey, Raheem, thank you for being here. Thank you for, join, for joining the show. This has been super phenomenal. And I'll be getting in touch with you soon. Yeah, thank you, Kara. No doubt. Peace. Yeah, peace out. So here's what's happening, what's going on this upcoming month. Open mics will be airing at a new time on Mind of the Storm. Time to be announced. But you can still catch the fuck on Wednesdays at 12 noon, make sure you join in to get your lunchtime daily dose of laughter before you finish out your day. Our Voice Matters, exposing the secrets, of course, every first and third Thursday of the month. Um, May 19th, another dope edition of Slick Talk, 517 Avenue of the States. This month, it was too lit. A lot of performers came out. If you got a talent, artist, you sing, you dance, damn, come show us what you got. Um, May 20th, Mike the Storm Miller, of course, will be doing his thing at the Purge 2 in Chester. He'll have that flyer up for you. 
uh, May 21st, open streets in the city of Wilmington on Washington and Madsen Run Parkway. It's a day filled with fun and activities for the kids, healthcare vendors. Your boy D. Markey Hall will be out there with fineblackart.com. Um, and of course, me, Talk Heavy TV. Every first and last Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next week, it's Mother's Day, y'all. So I don't know. I might sit on here and have a drink with y'all. Who knows what may happen. Till next time, peace.